Welcome to the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Megan West. On today's episode, we're talking with Phil Robertson, patriarch of the famous Duck Dynasty family. Phil's new book is called Jesus Politics. And during our conversation, Phil breaks out his Bible and gives us biblical truth and how to approach politics and the elections from a biblical worldview. Enjoy our fascinating conversation today with Phil Robertson. So let's bring in Phil Robertson. Good afternoon, Phil. How's it going? Everything's rocking. Good. Well, I see you brought your Bible along. So first of all, let's start off. And what is scripture saying to you today that you've, you can share with all of us that um, has been put on your heart? Love always protects, Hmm. whether it's your country, your wife, your children, your neighbor, someone's in a bind, someone is out to hurt you, harm you, are you at the risk of losing your life? Love always protects. Protect means love shields you. You're guarded by it. Hmm. It's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. That's the kind of love, by the way, that came when Jesus came. Yeah. He loved, he loved perfectly. Leave no debt left outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who has he who loves his fellow man listen this has fulfilled all of the law the commandments do not commit adultery if you love your wife you won't do that uh do not murder do not steal do not covet and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in one rule Love your neighbor as yourself. And check this out. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. That is what we've lost hmm. or in, in danger of losing in these United States of America. That's why I wrote the book. Well, and two words in this culture, Jesus and politics, stir up a lot of chaos right now. And so you combine those words in this book, Jesus Politics. So talk a little bit about why it's called Jesus Politics and what really that means. Here's what it means. I jotted this down. I'll read it as quickly as possible. Make, go back. Satan himself is the instigator of all evil behavior. Uh, Make America hate again. Mm -hmm. It's what you're witnessing on the streets, the burning, the looting, the shooting, and all of the immorality. Uh, Former satanic mob, riot, loot, burn, get rid of Jesus, burn the churches down. We've just seen this. Get rid of Trump, our president, Disarm the people, get rid of law enforcement, get rid of all historical monuments. Trust us, we will make you hate again. Get rid of love, replace it with hate. Get rid of joy, replace it with anger. Get rid of peace, replace it with anarchy. I'm giving you the fruit of the spirit and the opposite of that. Get rid of patience, fruit of the spirit. Replace it with belligerence. Get rid of kindness, replace it with vulgarity. Say it, spray it. Get rid of goodness, replace it with depravity. Get rid of faithfulness, replace it with filth. 
Get rid of gentleness, replace it with recklessness. And get rid of self-control, replace it with wicked lawlessness. Come join us. We were trained by Karl Marx. Trust us. We belong to each and every day and night. We belong to Karl Marx. You end that up and you say, that's what the book's about. I'm just trying to warn America that the coming cloud is not going to be a pretty sight. So this election is really important. I think I mentioned last time, I might not have, I've had three sessions with Donald Trump. All three times, this was at the center of it. Yeah. This was at the center of our discussion. I told him about Jesus. I told him about the resurrection. God removing his sin. I said, Trump, you do have sins, don't you? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, so does everybody else, dude. I said, and we're all going into a six-foot hole or cremated or whatever. I said, what then? I said, this says Jesus will give you life and immortality. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. So he listened intently. And the little notes I was reading from, he said, as I left, he said, hey, can I have that? I gave it to him. The next time I talked to him, it was a phone call. He was thanking me for taking up for him somewhere. So he said, Phil, I want you to know I still have that paper that you wrote down about Jesus. I said, put it in your heart, Mr. President. When I first talked to him, he was running after he won out a phone call with him. And the third time, I gave him some verses when he visited Monroe, uh, fronting some for the governor. He came down here, and uh, someone says, what were you talking to Trump about? I said, I was talking about the verses that mentioned baptism, the new birth. Well, I think the last time you know, we were asking him, was he going to get baptized? So we're, we're still waiting for that, and you said you'd do it. The last words I spoke to him was, if you don't trust anybody up here in the White House to baptize you, I'll do it. I said, <laughs> all you have to do is call, and I'll fly up, and I'll take care of it for you. He said, good enough. So be whether he's been baptized or not, it's up to him. But I know this. He listened. Faith comes from hearing. Mm -hmm. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. It was my job to make sure he he's the president of the free world. Yeah. And I wanted I wanted him to have a relationship with Jesus like everybody else. So when you get right down to it, sometimes we get a little tiptoey if we say, man, you can't tell the president that. I said, why not? He's a human being. We all have our faults. We have our sins and Jesus will remove them and give us life and immortality. Oh, I can tell anybody that. So I'll make it my goal to do so. <laughs> right. Well, and, and it's a good call for all of us to be praying for the president, but also to be praying for all of our elected officials because they're creating the policies. And something you talk about in your book is there's a clear divide right now and a clear battle between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of evil. And that's being played out in politics. And I think so many Christians say, oh, I don't want to be involved in politics. But that's exactly where this is happening. Talk to that a little bit. The voting booth 
It's the most powerful thing we have, the voting booth. Uh, the nice thing about a democratic republic, a constitutional republic, is that you can vote the evildoers out and you can elect godly people. You can vote for godly men and women. I encourage that. Look at their background, check them carefully. Granted, some are on the edge of the fence here, tiptoeing a little red here, there, and yonder. Try to find the godliest ones there are. Encourage godly men and women to run and put them in there. It would be amazing how our policies would begin to shift if the Lord Jesus, through his spirit, dwelled in the human hearts of the United States of America and its population. It would work wonders. Yeah, well, and we have called the Voting Assistance Center, and it's really good to help people look at the candidates, look at what they stand for, see what they've been sponsored by, see who supports them, who doesn't. And so you can go to our website, myfaithvotes.org, and see that right for your election. In fact, we're covering over 100,000 elections in 2020, so there shouldn't be an excuse for not knowing what's going on. So Phil, there's 25 million Christians who don't vote. They sit on the sidelines. What do you tell them about this election? What I tell them is what I started with. Love always protects. That's children in the womb. You're like, I need to make sure that I'm not voting for someone who will slaughter their own child while the child is in the mother's womb. I'm thinking, what in the world? Don't do that. Give birth to them. You're the one that made them. Give birth to them. Give me a break. Perversion, practicing perversion. We're down to 40% now, I heard the other day, of mom and dad and children, the, the, the nuclear family structure. We're down to 40%. 60% mom and dad are not together raising their children. And you wonder why you see all these young people in the streets. Yeah. yeah, there's a crisis of family going on. And it's what we talk about, a biblical worldview when we look at the issues in the voting booth. So you talk about the Communist Manifesto in your book and Karl Marx, and we're seeing a lot more of communism, Marxism, all those things being talked about, even supported by some of the elected officials at the federal level. Speak to that and maybe why are Christians buying into that or why are they not understanding the difference between a biblical worldview and the communist principles that people are talking about? Because they fell victim to this text right here. Uh, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle's not against flesh and blood. The human beings out there on the street and all the wrongdoers and the lawless behavior we're witnessing, it's the one in them that's the problem. Our struggle's not against flesh and blood. We love everybody. We point everybody to Jesus, no matter their behavior. We go to them and we point them to Jesus. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus set us free from Satan, from sin, from having to be perfect, law, from the grave, from the guilt of it all. Jesus set us free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, the truth is, 2,020 years ago, and our calendars documented, God became flesh. His name is Jesus. He died on a cross, first problem solved, for the sins of the world. He solved their sin problem in three days. Three days later, he's raised from the dead, guaranteeing you you can be raised from the dead, and immortality is yours. What a wonderful story. That's why it's called the gospel good news. So, uh, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, and it will, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth. Buckle around your waist, and he goes on to say, and the power of the Spirit, and with the Word of God. So, we need to learn that as a nation, and boy, would it ever make a difference. When Jesus came, the guy paving the way for him, the first words out of his mouth, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, John the Baptist. You've never read a word about baptism from Genesis to Malachi. When you get to Matthew, Genesis to Malachi, Jesus is coming, the kingdom's coming. Matthew, Jesus is here. So John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You turn one page, that's Matthew 3. You turn one page, it says from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, you turn over a few pages, you get to Matthew chapter 10. He sent out the disciples. He said, preach this message as you go. Start with the children of Israel. He said, preach this message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Some versions say is at hand, meaning this is going to come quickly. Within three years, Jesus set it up. He told them in Mark 9, 1, you're going to see the kingdom before you die. You'll see it in your lifetime. And they were like, one time they asked him, uh, well, when will the kingdom come and how will we know it's here? Jesus said, the kingdom does not come visibly. People won't say, here it is or there it is. He said, you're going to be the kingdom. The kingdom is among you. His disciples were looking around like a lot of other people to this day saying, kingdom, what, what? So we are the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king. It's an eternal kingdom working within, in our case, the confines of a constitutional republic. So we are here for leavening, to teach people to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, gentleness, yeah. self-control. That's our job, is to go out and do our work. Look, the great news is the government can't remove our sin. Nope, 
they'll just jail you over a sin or turn you loose when you've committed a sin. Justice is not quite perfect with government. They can't remove sin and they certainly, they may delay your ailment for a while through good doctoring, but they can't, they can't raise you from the dead. So you say, that's why King Jesus, he's the king of the cosmos. <laughs> so think about which one you want to be with. You're like, I wish you all well. I'm going to vote for the godliest among you, but you're not the answer to our problems. Only the King Jesus is. So I bow down to him and him alone. Black Lives Matter, they're not going to remove your sin or raise you from the dead. Not hardly. So it's almost you look at it. You know what it is? It's sad. I'm not mad at them for running around and acting the way they do, the evil behavior. I'm sad. I just look at them and I say, what a waste of humanity. What a waste. There's going to be a judgment day when Jesus returns. The Apostle Paul told the Thessalonians, he will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord on the day he comes to be marveled at by his people. We're all going to be saying, oh, here he comes. We're fixed to get out of here. New heavens, new earth, glorified bodies. The bodies will be coming up from the tombs and they'll be reunited with their soul and spirits and we'll all live on. I get fired up just thinking about it. It's the only thing I've ever read that gave me that hope. And God says, listen, it's impossible for me to lie. I promise you on an oath I will do it. That's a Hebrews text. So it's a pretty cool thing to be in the arms of Jesus Christ. It's a yeah. wonderful thing. It'll give you what is the rarest of commodities, peace of mind. Peace of mind. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, this is came to advance good, and you talk a lot about doing good in your book. We like to talk about it, My Faith Notes, Galatians 6.10, as we have opportunity, do good to all yep. people, especially to those of faith. So we actually have a shirt that we've created, Phil. It says, do good, go vote. I love it. I'm going to send one to you so you can wear it. And those watching, you can actually buy it on our store. Do good, go vote. But talk about the importance of doing good as people of faith. A little book of Titus. Now, I know it's a shock to y'all, but I'm one of the elders of our church. Elder, bishop, overseer, pastor, older gentleman. Here's the qualifications for an elder in the book of Titus. What's this? And I'll answer your question about being good. Uh, I left you so you might straighten out what was left unfit and appoint elders in every town. As I directed you, the apostle Paul is talking to Titus. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife. He can't have, he can't have been divorced. Nope. He's a, cause you're going to talk to a lot of divorced people. So you don't need to be, have that baggage. He's a man who must be, a, his children must believe. 
So you say, wow, kids, nope, you can't be an elder. You didn't discipline and love your children right. Somehow you exasperated them. Uh, and not open to the charge of being wild and dis disobedient. You have to have behaving children. Just think about that one. Uh, since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to much wine. He didn't say not any, but he said not much. You say, how much? It's not much. It's not much. <laughs> Just a little wine along from time to time. Not given to much wine, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. He must be hospitable. Uh, one who loves what is good. Who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold on to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. You're like, what's the trustworthy message? God became flesh. Jesus died on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised from the dead. 40 days later, adios. He's back at the right hand of the Father, constantly cleansing his people when they make mistakes. You confess them to him, not counted against you. All your sins in the past removed, none in the future counted against you. Blessed is the man or woman whose sin the Lord will never count against them. What a deal God has made with the human race. So that's the first, I must be a good. Uh, let's see. Uh, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers. Are you girls listening? are addicted to much wine. That's twice he said that. But teach what is good. Teach the older women to do that. What's this? Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled and everything set them an example by doing what is good. That's why you say, Phil, every once in a while, you have a slip of the tongue and you curse a little. No, I don't curse any. One of the sound men on our film crew that was filming Duck Dynasty came to me one day and he said, Bill, I noticed something about you and your family members. He said, I'm the sound man. I have you mic'd up at all times, even when we're off the set. He said, I'm straining to hear one word of profanity coming from you or your family. He said, the production crews is vile speech all throughout it. He said, but you and your family, no cursing. What's the deal with that? Why? I said, you've asked a great question. I said, I'll sit down with you this afternoon. I sat down with him. I told him about Jesus. He was converted to Jesus and he called, that's five years ago. And he still calls me saying, man, thank you. I never dreamed. I just was wondering why you didn't use filthy language. That shows you, little girl, how critical things we say, how critical that is. If you're if you have a filthy mouth, you see what they spray on that on all the buildings. F they put it on all the bill everywhere you go, that's always the big word. You're like. I've been on the earth 74 years. Human beings who use that word, I've never met a good one. 
that not one they all are with satan so those kind of things are the easiest thing just do what's good watch your mouth uh no coarse joking no profanity it has an impact on people they, they watch us they they listen to what we have to say so it's critical that we be like jesus use him as our model first john chapter 2 the first three verses anyone who says he knows god must walk as jesus did so we use him as a model think about it mistake free mistake free the only person ever to be mistake free so he's our model and we model our lives when we do stumble and we will if you talk a whole lot every once in a while you might stick your foot in your mouth so you say lord my bad he says get up get up i'm not counting against you the blood still covers you i'm your mediator i'm keeping you cleansed god has been over backwards if there's such a thing to be kind and good to us that's for sure he loves us. Yeah. So, and now we have to do good those around us and then also in the voting group. So, you know, we see this as the election of our lifetime. And just speak to that a little bit because we voted for a lot of years, but this year is critical. And why is critical. that? Critical because we're at a tipping point. When you start see your fellow Americans burning Bibles. The, 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 the word I live by, all scripture is God breathed. The men wrote, the writers, about 40 of them, they wrote as the spirit directed them. So when you have a Bible, you have the word of God. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When you see them burning Bibles, you're, you're, you're close to the tipping point and Satan winning the war. Therefore, this election, I mean, is it ever critical those people you mentioned that claim Christianity, claim Jesus and don't vote, they don't realize how critical a time we live in. You can lose your freedom. I think it was Ronald Reagan in one generation. It'll leave you. It'll be extinct. So we better buckle up and we better go to the polls and we better show them what, where the real America is. There's a little junior high school where I am. I'm in the woods and I mean, there's not even a, it's a pig trail through the woods. It is paved. So I go over to that voting booth and a few old people are sitting around there, you know, and get your driver license and you go in and vote. It's, it's called Ward 9. It's kind of like uh, Redneck Central. <laughs> but it's a blast. I go over there, but everybody comes on in there, you know. Whatever you do, go put your vote. I'm voting Donald Trump, hands down, no, no doubt about it. I uh, think of Trump as caustically, caustically brilliant. His acumen, I'm telling you, is out the roof. 
I'm a C plus man. He's way above me. He is uh, very quick on his feet to discern a situation and figure out a solution to it better than any I've seen that's been in the White House. He's done more for the Jesus people than any president in my lifetime. I just hope my visits with him helped him. But I was letting him know the godly out there, if you're anti-God, you're against God, you're not going to last long. But with God, I said, God's people will help you if they know you're faithful to Jesus Christ. I made that clear to him. He did not argue with me. And it wasn't like, you know, don't put that Bible in my face. No, not at all. He was very open, very nice. It was a great conversation, three of them. They were short, but they were conversations about Jesus Christ, that's for sure. Well, and that's encouraging. And it's so critical that we vote. And as we say at My Faith Vote, we pray first, we think biblically about the issues, we do the research on all the candidates, and then we show up at the voting booth and we vote and we put our faith in action. He's pro-God. He's pro-life. He's pro-one man, one woman. You're like, and he's, he's pro-duck-up. <laughs> now, I'm a guy that turned into a millionaire because I could do one thing. I could ascertain what the sounds birds were making, ducks or birds. And I listened to them. So I made a duck call for a mallard. I made a duck call for, this is a mallard. <laughs> you got all kinds of duck calls. You got teal, wood ducks, pintails, gadwalls, witching. They all make different sounds. I figured out how to duplicate them and put them on the market. I trusted in God, capitalism, and hard work. If America did those three things, trust in God, trust in capitalism, and work hard, it's kind of in the book. And you say, that's the way to roll. Can't go wrong. It's good stuff. Well, Phil, it's an amazing book. We love Jesus Politics. I know all of the listeners watching would appreciate just your wisdom and insight from that. Before we close out, I'm going to ask you to just spend a little bit of time in prayer, praying for our country and our elections coming up. And um, just thanks so much for giving your insight. We love that you love God, but we love that you love our country as well. And that's so important. I uh, thank you. Yeah. Father, I pray for our country. It's in a mess. Father, like the empires before us, they rise, you put them on, you put them together and they rise. And when they turn from you and renounce your name and scoff at you, you take them out one after the other, one after the other. Well, Father, our day here has come when many in our population, they're scoffing at you. They're persecuting people like me they are godless and they are led by satan who has controlled them and he controls their life and uh and he's taken them captive to do his will so father i pray please give us time to repent and i pray that our people they go vote yes to god to you father and to jesus christ your son with the help of your spirit, Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for listening. We're so glad you joined us on today's conversation with Phil Robertson. You can find Phil's book, Jesus Politics, in bookstores online or near you. And you can learn more about My Faith Votes at myfaithvotes.org.